Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online, thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego, the number two, and oil, and find out. Hi everyone, I'm Aaron Noonan. Welcome back to the V8 Sleuth Podcast powered by Timken, a world leader in bearings and mechanical power transmission products and services. Now this week, we sit down with Bathurst 1000 and Adelaide 500 winner, Nick Perkat. In the second part of our chat, Nick opens up about the illness that forced him to sit out the tail end of the 2015 supercar season. And he answers your National Motor Racing Museum couch racer questions and our traditional motor-focused top 10 shootout. Now, this podcast will sound a little different to our usual one-on-one chats. It's all part of the measures we're taking in the face of COVID-19. Normally, Nick would come into the office here with us at V8 Sleuth in Melbourne. Instead, though, he was in the comfort and safety of his own home, and we chatted over the phone. So the quality's not as good as we would normally give you, but the content quality is top-notch. So keep that in mind as you listen, and we hope you're all staying safe and healthy. And remember, wash your hands and do all the things you need to be doing right now. So here we go. Buckle up. Time to start. Part two of Nick Perkat on the V8 Sleuth podcast, powered by Timken. Now, one of the things that we were asked a lot about when we put the call out to, to social media, Nick, was your run-in with Paul Morris at Barbagallo back in 2011 in the development series where he uh, escorted you into the sand a couple of times, and there was a bit of brouhaha going on and and I remember vividly doing that on television and in those days it was post-produced the the Super 2 series it wasn't live in uh, the telecast so we did it all a, a week later so we knew what was going to happen but going into that weekend before there was any contact on the track and and all that stuff happened was there any was there anything between you that started all of that because you're cool now aren't you <laughs> yeah it the funny thing is I've never thought about that no, we never had a run-in. We never had any drama. We <laughs> there was never anything that led to that that I knew of. Um, but yeah, that was um, it was interesting because you know I still stand to believe that I think I'm from. I think I watched it the other day. I'm fairly sure there was a car between me and him. Um, and I think it was Dave Russell, and I might have been. I think I was pushing Dave a little bit, and then obviously it just turfed Paul. Um, and yeah, it really it went big. <laughs> now that I know Paul's personality a bit a bit better, um, I now see that the show side of it a little bit more. Um, with obviously Danny Green and bits and pieces like that, and him telling me he was going to get me and that race off the back, and he even <laughs> he got Danny Green to put his head in in my car before the start line, and I can't remember what he said, but um, I actually didn't know who it was, which is a bit embarrassing looking back, but um. Yeah, that that race was interesting. Um, it was like literally like um, felt like I was being chased the whole time. Every time we caught traffic, it was like, no, he's back on me. But he then finally spun around, and that whole drama and Garth sticking up for me and off track, and it was all pretty full on because Walkinshaw said, "Don't go near him." Um, you know, he's an idiot. Don't go near him. Don't go near him. And then, um, yeah, now we both share a, a passion, similar passion of you know helping young blokes get into the sport and mentoring and um, all that side of things. So it's, it is interesting now how we've changed, I guess. Um, I think, you know, I still laugh with him and I go, mate, you still, you know, you taught me a lesson that day. Um, 
and he's like, yep, certainly did. Um, and yeah, I still agree. He, you know, he taught me a thing or two and now I use him, I, you know, I'll call him and bounce ideas off him and um, I do a lot of work at Norwell when I can, even though I'm based in Melbourne with him, with young drivers and um, yeah, I love it and I love the way he goes about it and um, yeah, I wouldn't change it like what happened that day. So he's um, he's a good bloke and he, he puts a lot of time and effort into the young guys and um, I try and you know, help out as much as I can with young drivers in, in Formula Ford and go-karting and stuff like that. So I think, you know, now we're on a similar similar page and he just wanted to give the, the new hot shot who thought he was pretty cool with his walking shore backing and stuff like that, a bit of a touch-up, which he did, and, <laughs> and we continue. Because the other thing was that, that car that weekend, he had, he was promoting an upcoming Danny Green fight. It had been painted uh, in a very lurid, bright green. So clearly there was... Yep. Uh, a need to get publicity and to promote that fight and to get that car on television. So he definitely achieved that goal. It's just that he picked you as the guy to uh, to help him do that. Yeah, exactly. It all That's what I mean. And now I understand him more. And a lot of things that he does is to make sure he gets the coverage he, he needs or wants. Or, um, you know, it's, it's never normally like really that personal. And, you know, he definitely would have been like, you know, I'm going to teach this young bloke a, a thing or two, and he did. And you know, I. That's why we have such good respect for each other. I think that you know, I never. I think he picked up the phone and rang me a week later and said, "Mate, you know, escalated a bit, sorry." And ever since, we've been absolutely no drama, and that's why we, you know, we speak on the phone. We speak every time we see each other, and that's why I use his facility at Norwell so much. So yeah, it's um, it's actually it is funny when I watch it. I get tagged in it, but. Um, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't change what happened at all, and I'm glad that he did what he did with me, and it you know it taught me to be a bit, probably a bit tougher, and and uh, you know not suck and carry on, just get on with it. And you got on with it. Uh, have you, did you ever get him back after that? I don't think I have got my revenge. <laughs> I'm going to have to go up to Norwell maybe and buy a little Hyundai XL, and we'll have a, a bit of a ding dong. But no, I don't think so. And if I did, he wouldn't have known that it was me, maybe, in a dev race, like reverse 10 or whatever, and I might have lent on someone that he was battling, so they got rid of him, but I definitely probably got a bit smarter if I did, <laughs> on the way I went about um, offloading the dude. <laughs> hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey, one of the things on the list, and I know I'm jumping all over the place, but 2015, uh, you were at LDM, you did your, your first year there, but... That was the year that you got really, really crook. What, what, what was that? Was that the Gold Coast that you got ill at? Because to the yep. point where you you had to pull out shortly after starting Phillip Island, and you didn't even do the last round in Sydney. Yeah. So what happened there? Um, yeah, the Gold Coast Six Hundred um, on the Sunday we were actually going quite well. Um, we were battling for the podium from memory, but. All the calling had failed in the car, and a header broke. 
um, on the exhaust system. I think it was one of the um, header pipes at the back of the engine, so right against the firewall, and where my pedals are for all the tall people, where as close to the firewall as you can get. So basically what happened was it absolutely cooked. I got cooked um, in the oven. Um, so obviously it destroys your immune system and stuff like that with no cooling and um, you're just overheating. So your body, you know, is it can't fight off anything really because it's working as hard as it can to keep mm. you going. Yeah. And then the pedals got so hot, it, it melted my boot and it, but the best way to describe it is it's like it cooked my foot from the inside out. It didn't blister. It didn't do anything. But I could I could barely walk on it. Um, and because I don't really remember getting out of the car because I was um, completely spent, um, I thought when I got out, I must have rolled my ankle um, the next day when I woke up. And I thought, oh, that's weird. My right foot, well, how can that be injured? Like, what am I doing out there? Kind of thing. And I just rested and um, didn't think any of it. And then we went to New Zealand and I did Friday practice um, and I woke up feeling a little bit average on Saturday and I was like, oh, I must have been a bit sick. But then on we did the race Saturday and then on Sunday morning at about 3 a.m. I woke up violently ill and couldn't put any weight on my foot. It's like I'd broken my foot and I couldn't understand why. And I was like, what has happened here? I must have broken one of the little bones in your feet at Gold Coast. So I'm like, okay, that's the last time I had foot pain. Um, but I was, yeah, extremely sick. And I had all these lumps. The lymph nodes in my groin had come up. So um, on the inner of your leg there, you have like all your lymph nodes. And they, they were up like really high. high. And obviously my body was fighting something. And I had, I had no clue what was going on. <laughs> I was like, yeah, okay, that seems bad. Why have I got these huge lumps here? And I remember that morning I had to get um, Samara, who was our, um, did all our PR and stuff. She had to drive us to the track. I was like, I think it was me and Blanchard driving that year. And I'm like, I can't drive. Like, I just need to sit in the passenger seat and or lay in the back. Like, I'm sick and real bad. Went to the medical center, got there, and um, they're like, Mate, you must have just broken your foot. Like, what's going on here? So they, <laughs> qualifying, they gave me a um, painkillers. Yep, sweet. Off you go. Couldn't do barely a lap in quality. I think I did one, parked it. Went for the race, and we put all foam padding in the pedal box and stuff like that. And um, I was stubborn. I'm like, no, nah, I want. I'm going to race. I just left for break. Um, can I have some more painkillers? Um, so they just gave me some more painkillers, and um, oh, you know, obviously to what the doctors said. And you know, they there's no point where we ever thought, oh no, it's bad and you can't race. It's just like now you've injured your foot. Just if you have to left for break, you're sweet. You know every other vital aspect of your body is fine. So there's no drama on that side. And then, um, it's actually a little bit long-winded, but then I <laughs> started the race and I had it coming together with Rick, I think it was, and it tore the upright off the, at the hairpin. So the car was stuck and I had to walk back to the pit. And that's when everyone realized that, hold on, what's wrong with this guy? Why is he limping <laughs> from this minor accident? Like, I didn't, it wasn't a crash. It just ripped the, the wheel out of my hand and you know we rubbed and it yeah, it was no actual shunt it was just a minor hit and it just damaged the upright enough that I couldn't drive it anymore so I'm walking back and I'm completely pale feeling like I'm about to throw up or pass out and I'm like there's something seriously bad here so I changed my flight go on the flight home and took myself straight to um, Doc's private where Dr. Carl the supercar doctor is and I'm like mate I don't know what's happened I, the lymph nodes are up 
my foot, I can't walk. It's like it's broken. We can we? What's going on here? So he's done all these scans, and he's like, "There's nothing wrong, but you have this crazy infection going on, like blood infection, basically." Um, from memory, he would probably be able to correct all of this <laughs> from what it technically was. And basically, I just ended up in hospital for a month on a drip, um, and I tried to fight off this infection that was just in the in my blood, and they had all every scan you can imagine under the sun to try and figure out what was going on, and stuff. Show its head, so I just sat in the hospital from close to, I think it was two and a half weeks or three weeks between rounds. Um, and finally, it started to look like an improvement. Cool, you're good to go. And they released me on the Thursday night of Silver Island. I was like, perfect, I'm on. <laughs> so I got in the car, I drive down to Silver Island, um, did practice, but it was wet, so we did barely any running. Um, and then the next morning, Saturday morning, we had a signing session. And I said to Blanchard, I'm like, I feel bad. Like, I feel like I'm going to be sick again. What the hell is going on? And he tells this story so well. He's like, you literally were pale and sweating. You just randomly leave this signing session, stroll on off, completely brush McNamara. <laughs> and I think he was talking to RD. Brush past them. Go upstairs into corporate. And he's like, where is this bloke going? I then went into supercar corporate. Don't remember any of this and I stood at the window just looking out of it and I think I was trying to figure out if I was about to fall over so I went up there I have no recollection of it and um, by chance I ended up standing next to one of my best friends Daniel Rochford and he apparently spoke to me and I wasn't responding and then I just ghosted my way out of there and got to the side of the LDM truck and virtually collapsed and um, got put in the hospital, uh, ambulance and then sent straight back to hospital and I spent another few weeks there and uh, yeah missed Homebush so that was like a that was close to 12 weeks in and out of hospital on a drip. Um, and it was a full proper pick line where they put the, the full line inside your vein that goes across the body, gets close to the heart. and um, Because they had to keep pumping in so much fluid to stop this infection. And yeah, the next race I did was Adelaide 500 and we won. <laughs> so, um, Hell of a way yeah, to get actually, to an Adelaide 500 win, it must be said, though. Yeah, it's actually quite scary because um, yeah, they got my parents over and said, look, you know, your body's not really responding that great um, and if it doesn't start to, to fire up we're going to be uh, you know it could quite go quite bad here I don't know if it was life or death but um, oh, I kind of had that vibe about it definitely but um, yeah the, the body wasn't doing what they hoped and um, finally it started responding well and uh, lived to tell the tale but it was um, yeah it was quite scary to be honest I was in like the intensive care ward and all that yeah <laughs> We'll get back to the podcast in just a moment, but I wanted to quickly tell you about our good friends at Timken, a world leader in bearings and mechanical power transmission products and services. Now, you might know their name and recognise their logo, but did you know that Timken bearings are used in some of the world's largest wind turbines, some standing as tall as 260 metres? That's almost twice the height of the Sydney Harbour Bridge, and with rotors as big as 220 metres in diameter. That's almost the distance from the start line to Hell Corner at Mount Panorama. Now these rotors turn on big shafts, and at each end is a massive Timken tapered roller bearing. The biggest one with an outside diameter of 3.425 metres. That's about three quarters the length of a supercar race car. The bearings have to be perfectly reliable in withstanding massive loads and in extreme conditions like in the North Sea, where a single turbine is expected to produce enough renewable sourced energy to power 16,000 European homes year-round. 
we'll bring you some more cool facts about Timken in each episode of the V8 Sleuth podcast this year. Now, it's back to the podcast. Hey, I mentioned it earlier, we'll jump into it now, the National Motor Racing Museum Couch Racer Questions. Of course, the, the, the Motor Racing Museum up at Mount Panorama Bathurst is a, a very special place, a very important place. At the moment, it is closed during the pandemic, but of course, it will reopen uh, in due course, and uh, there's plenty of cool stuff there to, uh, to see and do. So please make sure you support the National Motor Racing Museum when they get uh, back online and the doors reopen there down the track. Our Castrol Question of the Week is well it's actually one that you've kind of covered a little bit here but i think there's a little bit extra that you could probably give rob kingston's question is what is the best piece of knowledge and experience that you got from driving with garth tander in the hrt car you've you've kind of answered it, but what's the one piece of i guess advice or the, the thing that you that you, you take with you still to this day um oh to be honest it's, it's pretty full on how long myself and garth spent together like working together because you know this started back in oh so he has his he had his tan sport team in a former ford and they were looking at this is how long ago he goes back in 2007 and i was driving the spectrum at ball and then was struggling and i you know staff was always at the dealer team and would see me working or working cleaning his car <laughs> race car um and i actually just asked him one day if he would if they were going to get mcgale former fords to run out of tan sport and that's how our dialogue first started back in 2007. So from pretty much that moment on, midway through 20, uh, 2007, he kind of really took me under his wing and uh, did a lot of mentoring with me without really realizing. And I think he just liked the way I went about it. And we became good friends and we were at training together every single day. We were um, for many, many years before I even drove with him. So how close we were um, before we even got to the grid of Bathurst was, you know, Pretty much virtually one of my best mates, um, and mentored me, and I spent a lot of time with Leanne and um, and him, and then obviously when they now had Scarlett and Sebastian, um, you know, I was around for all that kind of stuff. So it's um, it's hard to pinpoint one spot where he's the knowledge he's given me because it was just, there was information every day. I was just like a sponge, you know. It was um, pretty uh, pretty cool, and um, I think he would. He helped me a lot with the driving side. He came out and did a test day uh, in my J or J Motorsport uh, Commodore and Super Two back in the day. He came to Winton and did some laps in it to help me because I didn't know really what I was looking for. So that kind of fastest and did some laps in it to get a, give us a gauge of what it was doing. And um, so he's like that was massively helpful. Um, you know, the flow of the car over the top of Bathurst is massively helpful. Um, and then race start stuff on how he does his starts. I think that's why my opening laps are quite good now because I, I definitely studied the way he went about his opening laps and he's known for firstly getting off the line well and then the way he positions the car and he makes up positions in the opening lap. Um, I've really taken a lot of that kind of information, but um, yeah, I think the best bit of advice he's ever given me was enjoy the Bathurst podium, <laughs> to be honest, because <laughs> it's the most real thing. Um, the rest I was probably just a sponge and, our day-to-day chats while at training, during a run, a ride, gym. Well, I'd probably be asking general questions the whole time, doing shit out of it. And I'd just be taking that knowledge. Um, so, yeah, it's um, yeah, the only time that myself and Garth really had any sort of fallout was 2014 when I started driving in the main series. And, you know, um, I started using things to beat or try and beat him um, uh, that he taught me. So it was probably extremely annoying for him um, 
and it got a bit weird there for a minute. But you know, I still that I think that was just a small kind of flip in the little friendship, and yeah, there were still friends. Wrote Todd wrote only not long ago, a month or so ago, um, watching Scarlet drive around in a go kart, and you know, I helped him out there and stuff like that. So yeah, it's hard to pinpoint the one bit of knowledge he's given me because he's given me advice from 2007 until literally a month ago when we were at Todd Rhodes' go-kart and he was watching me drive around at mine and he said, oh, why don't you try this or that? Like, it still happens. So it's um, it's a very fortunate position. And honestly, without him pushing to have me in that car, there's that's another reason why if that didn't unfold the way it did, I wouldn't probably have progressed into being a supercar driver and on the grid today. So there's a few very key points during my career that um, led to you know being the supercar driver that we know now um, and he's definitely a huge part of it and um, yeah it's uh, it's very cool but it's no, there's no one bit of information that he said oh break like this or whatever it's just I was a sponge and it was just evolving and I just took as information as I could get it and that was Rob Kingston's question our question of the week uh, with thanks to Castrol Castrol have joined us on the V8 Sleuth podcast, because you should remember that Castrol is more than just oil. It's liquid engineering. They provide the oils, fluids, and lubricants for today and the future for every driver, rider, and every industry. Make sure you follow Castrol on Facebook, too, because there's uh, plenty of motorsport exclusive competitions. And I think later in the year, they're going to let me loose and do some Facebook Live on the Castrol account. So keep your eye on <laughs> Hey, Nick, let's keep going through the questions. Really rapid fire. Craig Condo, what's your dog eaten that it shouldn't have? What about dog eating that he shouldn't have? Mm. Oh, what has Nelson done? He is actually a saint. It's concerning. The boy gets steak every Monday, so he's pretty happy. Um, actually, no, only last week he knocked off my mate's McNugget out of his hand while he was in a little conversation. <laughs> he's never chewed anything or ripped up anything, but if, the, if someone's waving a McNugget around, he is in there trying to steal that. So he actually literally four or five days ago, he, um, my friend of mine had a chicken nugget when we were prepping our go-karts and he literally put his hand down a fraction and Nelson swooped. So that's him. That's all he does bad. <laughs> I must have been a chocolate lab in a former life because I would probably do the same when uh, a chicken <laughs> nugget is, is up for grabs. Matthew Davis's question, favourite livery on a supercar you've driven? Surely it's one of the Timken liveries. Yeah, I love the Timken liveries. Mainly, I think, because I have a bit more involvement in them. Um, you know, as a kid and a huge passionate race fans the mobile livery is so cool um purely because i have photos in that kind of era of livery with brock and lounge um but yeah the timkin liveries i love because myself um and the team at timkin with and michael um yeah we we get to play with the design and we change it every year and you know we have like a um gold chrome wrap one year we have it white another year we have the popping orange another year and They've been a me- mega supporters of mine and that whole team, and um, yeah, they do a bloody good job supporting heaps of different cars and categories throughout motorsport, and they're, they're one of the good guys that we have in the world of motorsport. So, no, nah, I love all their liveries. Honestly, the, the most, very biased, because I do have a personal relationship with them, but uh, I do actually think they look the best on track, and especially at Newcastle, it's a, car, a track that makes all the liveries look pretty wild, so that one is the pick. You took me for a ride at Newcastle last year and I nearly changed your livery on the inside of your car rather than the outside of your car, but we got away with it. It was okay and, and what I'd eaten for lunch <laughs> stay, stayed inside. There's a, I don't know why, but we've got a lot of food questions from our Sleuth followers for you. Uh, Todd Olsop asks, do you take the gherkins off your Macca's burgers? 
Are you a gherkin in or a gherkin out man? Whenever you do, Ooh, occasionally no, maybe have. No, no, gone. Gone. Okay. Uh, Corey asks barbecue sauce or tomato? Um, ooh, I flip and change. <laughs> Standard tomato, treat myself with barbecue. <laughs> Fair point. Uh, Adam Ray asks any GT racing coming up for you or uh, are you going to keep your, your head in the supercars game? Are you, you going to have a look at doing some, some other stuff? Like, a, I guess, Tim Slade's done a bit of GT racing in, in recent times and a few other drivers too. Yeah, look, I'd love to. I, mean, I speak to Ollie Gavin still quite a lot about me trying to get in over and do some stuff in America and just you know, get my name out there a little bit. Um, if for one reason, for one day that, you know, I thought maybe we were trying to make something over there, but, you know, Ryan and the, the race industries team with that Mark Carr about this said, you know, that'd love to have me come and do some more events during the year, but obviously with what's happening in the world, that's all on pause. Um, but yeah, it did look like for a moment there that I'd be racing at some pretty cool tracks in that Mark Carr actually, but, um, with the race industries squad, but it's, um, yes, world's on pause, so we are on pause on that front. Well, we look forward to hopefully unpausing that one uh, down the track. Yes. Uh, time for the Motor Focus Top 10 shootout, where basically I throw 10 things at you and you give me your instant first thing that comes into your brain. One word, I'll let you have two, maybe three. Uh, the Motor Focus Top 10 shootout is via Motor Focus. They're your home of quality scale model stocking, all the big brands and much, much more. Visit their website, motorfocus.com.au or stop in and visit them at their store. Unit 9, number one, Stockwell Place in Archerfield, Queensland. They're great supporters of our podcast. And uh, Talk to Dimitri and the team and they'll sort you out with model cars, including probably some Nick Perkett cars from uh, over the years as well. Are you ready for this? You're going to give me your first word that springs to mind for the next 10 things. Are you ready for this? Are you sure? I'm ready. Okay, Garth Tander. Tall. <laughs> Oh, jeez. Yeah, this better get better. Uh, have you got another word? Apart from the bleeding, <laughs> apart from the bleeding obvious? Um, brutal, I think, is a good word. Ooh. He's brutal in a race. I like it. Good word. Mick Ritter. He's probably the scariest person to have behind you. Mick Ritter is the scariest person <laughs> to drive for at Sonic Motor Racing. <laughs> You're not the first person to say that just quietly. Uh, Lucas Dumbrell. Uh, a good mate. And, um, yeah, just a good mate. Uh, Ollie Gavin. We haven't really had a chance to, to touch on Ollie Gavin, but you, you did mention him before. Uh, legend. I agree. Uh, Brad Jones. Be careful. He's your boss. Um, Bradley. Uh, extremely genuine and a racer. A r- racer. Uh, that's the word that springs to mind for me with, with Bradley. Um, Holden. Very special brand in your family's history and your, your racing history too. Uh, to me, just family. That's what I think. I think of Holden. Uh, yeah, fair point. Uh, ooh, uh, who else have we got on this list? Tim Slade. Slade Dog. Um, <laughs> is that the I word? Think of, is, is that the yep, word? Yep, Slade yeah. Dog. He will know what that means. Yeah. The dog. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Ryan Walkinshaw. Oh. Uh, <laughs> so many words for Ryan that he would appreciate. Um, just loose. Uh, All right, uh, that's eight down, two to go. Tinder. Tinder. Tinder Tuesdays. (laughs) (laughs) Was that the day of use, is it? Yeah, well, to be honest, I haven't had it for a little while now, but yes, Tinder Tuesdays used to be floated. And one more to go, Scott McLaughlin. Oh, it pains me to say that he's a qualifying goat. 
<laughs> the, goat, nice. the goat brackets qualify. Yeah, unreal. His life is seriously impressive. Well, you've survived the Motor Focus Top 10 shootout. I don't think you touched a curb or a piece of Armco, so congratulations. Perfect. <laughs> uh, mate, we haven't got to a whole pile of topics that we would have loved to uh, get to, but I'm sure we can cover them off down the track at a, another time. It's a, a strange way for us to be doing this down the phone line, and we're still working with some of our systems here to make sure that they're uh, providing us with the, the best audio possible, which I, I, I'm i not the guy that does all this. I just do the talking. So we'll get it all tuned <laughs> up down the track, and we will get it better. But thanks again for spending some time with us and running down memory lane and being so uh, open and honest with uh, some various aspects of your, your supercars career so far. No worries at all, Noons, and have me back whenever. So there you go. Thanks very much to Nick Perkat for the chat. It was great to sit down and catch up with him. We all love the history of the sport here at V8 Sleuth, and it's always great to chat to a driver that's currently on the supercars grid because, as you heard with Nick, they've all got some pretty interesting stories of their own. Now, if you're enjoying the V8 Sleuth podcast, make sure you leave us a review to help spread the word. Don't forget to subscribe too, because then you won't miss a single episode as they come out. They'll be coming out almost every week throughout 2020, even during the period that we're bunkering down amid COVID-19. Now, if you're looking for a bit of reading material at home at the moment, we've got a stock take sale in our V8 Sleuth online bookshop. You can pick up a copy of Cars of the King, our Peter Brock magazine that documents and covers all of his great Bathurst cars from over the years. It's only $12.50, it's nearly half price. Or The Falcon Files, covering every Falcon supercar built from 1992 to 2017. 25 years of Falcons, it's only $15. It's a big, fat, chunky read. It'll be keeping you going for a long time if you're a Ford fan. And the 2018 official Super Jeep Auto Bathurst 1000 annual, of course, the race, won by Craig Lowndes and Steve Richards. You can review all the action in a copy of that. It is reduced as well. Head to the V8 Sleuth website, v8sleuth.com.au. Click on Bookshop. Just snap yourself up a bargain and go shopping. Sign up too to the V8 Sleuth newsletter through our site. And while you're there, follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram to make sure you don't miss out on any new offers or new products or news as they all pop up. Until then, we'll catch you next time on the V8 Sleuth podcast, powered by Timkin. Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online, thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego, the number two, and oil, and find out.